Uh, Tonight's passage can be found on page 1174. It's Ephesians chapter 1. So it's Ephesians chapter 1, starting at uh, verse 11 to 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Thank you, Izzy. And please keep that open in front of you. And our theme of the service this evening is the inheritance which we look forward to as Christians, and you can see it in our passage in verse 14. The guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. The mention of that word inheritance has some of you sitting smugly because you know that your parents have a, a great pile that you're looking forward to. It has other people earnestly looking through their family tree for some uh, forgotten uncle who maybe is the hope um, of our inheritance. It has Christians full of praise for God, full of praise for God, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, says Paul. Um, I said last week that the the reader um, of the passage cheated, um, because actually this is one sentence in Greek, and it should be done in one breath, and actually this is still part of the same sentence that we started last week. I'm not going to try and read it in one. Um, I did try that last week. Um, Katie Van Coten, a friend of mine, he's an opera singer, he was here, told me I had appalling breath control. <laughs> I think she felt she could do the whole thing. Maybe we could do the whole thing. But it's one sentence, and it begins as it did last week, in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, because he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And you remember last week, Paul gave us a whole list of ways in which God has blessed the Christian. A whole load of reasons for us to praise God. He told us that God chose us to be holy and blameless. That God predestined us to be adopted as his children. That we have redemption through Jesus' blood, the the forgiveness of our sins. And that we have revelation of God's plan. So we know what God is doing in this world. Well, to to that list, you could add today, we have a fantastic inheritance ahead of us. We have an amazing inheritance ahead of us. I don't know how you're doing praising God this week, this last week, for all of his blessings. I don't know how many stars you've been shouting at or fish you've been speaking to. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the tape of last week's sermon. But here's another reason to praise God, another reason to celebrate being a Christian. And it is an inheritance In fact, all of the blessings of of last week, all of the blessings of the first part of chapter 1, 
are in the heavenly places. In other words, they're not blessings that you can see and experience fully now. So, for example, a whole load of people in front of me today have been chosen by God to be holy and blameless before the creation of the world. But if I didn't already know you, if I was passing you in the street in Bishopsgate, I wouldn't be able to tell. A whole lot of people in front of me have been predestined to be adopted as God's children. But you know, I'm not sure that I'd be able to see that just looking at you. The blessings with which God's blessed us are in the heavenly places. They're invisible. You can't tell always now. You don't experience them fully now. And yet they are pie in the sky. That's where the pie is. It's up in the heavenly places. But it is yours when you die. And they got the saying right. The pie in the sky that you can't see now, one day you will inherit. One day you will experience in all of its fullness. And you'll know what it is to be chosen by him to be holy and blameless. You'll experience the benefits of being predestined to be adopted. You'll, you'll be praising him for being redeemed by his blood. And you will know his plan and see his plan as it's completed. The pie in the sky, the blessings of the heavenly places, will be inherited on earth. And what a fantastic truth in the light of death. Normally with inheritances, somebody else dies and then you get their stuff. But this inheritance is yours when you die. The Christian, even in the face of death, has a reason to praise God. I was in Cambridge yesterday, and um, one of my friends um, drove me to see this massive new clock that Corpus Christi College have commissioned at the cost of hundreds of thousands of pounds, maybe even a million pounds, this clock. It's on King's Parade, if you know it. And it's rather a grotesque thing. It's a kind of big circle clock face, on the top of which is a grasshopper. And apparently it's all very clever, because if you are into clocks, you'll know that there's a a kind of escapement mechanism called the grasshopper escapement. And um, on this particular clock, the escapement is an actual grasshopper, but it's got a grisly kind of ghoulish face. And as it kind of leaps forward like that, it eats up the minutes. It's quite a grotesque sight, but apparently the, the, the guy who designed this clock was trying to show you that time is always passing. It's always being eaten up. You can't hold on to it. It's always death is hastening on. And so this grasshopper eats away the minutes of the Corpus Christi clock. And I guess for the guy who made it, it's, it's quite a depressing thing. I imagine so, because certainly the face of the grasshopper is pretty um, depressing. But for the Christian, even the advancement of death can be, in one sense, a fantastic thing. Because it brings us nearer the last of our spiritual blessings the blessing of an inheritance with God. Now the trouble with pie in the sky when you die is that no one is quite sure now that it's gonna, they're going to get it on the last day. That's the trouble with it, isn't it? It sounds like something that could all be talk. It could be something you spend your life looking forward to, but then when you get there, it's nothing. And so Paul doesn't just want to say that there's this great inheritance ahead of us. He wants to show us, to demonstrate to us that this inheritance is certain. That the pie in the sky when you die cannot fail 
to come to you. And he shows us in two ways. And as you see on the handout, we have the first two points looking at that. First of all, we have a certain inheritance because God has planned everything. You'll see that in verse 11 and 12. Let me read it again for you. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. We have a certain inheritance because God has planned everything. You know, I could have every good intention to do something. For example, last night, I had every good intention to be in bed by 10 o'clock because I knew I'd be preaching um, today. It was a big day for me. However, I was on a train coming back from Cambridge, having seen the, the ghoulish clock in Corpus, and there were floods in Essex, and the train was delayed by about two hours. And so I was in bed by midnight. I had great plans, but because I'm not in control of everything in the world, for example, the weather in Essex, I couldn't be absolutely sure that my plans would come to pass. It's it's a bit the same as that with inheritances. I could plan to leave you um, my, I don't know what I've got that you'd like, but um, my stuff when I die. (laughs) I could plan to do that, but all kinds of things could go wrong with that plan that you should inherit my stuff. Um, For example, you could die before I do. I couldn't necessarily foresee the passing bus that would um, hurtle past and take you out um, years years ahead of you getting the inheritance. Or I could have stored all, I could have sold all my stuff and invested all the money in Iceland as an inheritance for you. But I couldn't have foreseen that that wouldn't have been the best place to invest all my money. Some of you are laughing. Some of you probably aren't laughing at that illustration. But God, when He plans that we should inherit everything. He can be absolutely sure that we'll get what he plans we'll get. Because God isn't only in charge of the weather in Essex or the banking climate in Iceland. God is in charge of everything in the universe. Do you see the implications of that? Verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What Paul is saying is, it was God's purpose that we should have an inheritance. But God is in control of every single atom of the universe during every second of time between now and the day when you get it. And he is using every atom of the universe to make sure that that inheritance is yours. God is in charge of the world in a mind-blowingly comprehensive way. Jesus says on one occasion that God knows how many hairs there are on our head, which in some of our cases is not as remarkable as in others. Just think how in charge of the universe you would have to be to determine whether an extra hair follicle were to grow or not, or whether a particularly disastrous hair product should be used on a particular day or not. Jesus says that God is in charge of every sparrow that falls to the ground. Just think how in charge of the universe you would have to be to control the day of the funeral of every sparrow in the world. You'd have to be in charge of every cat in the world, every cat owner, and what kind of cat food they they fed their cat on every day of the world. You'd have to be in charge of every aeroplane in the world, 
um, and, it, and which flight path it took, and every bit of wind in the world to see which sparrows got blew into a jet engine, and various other imaginative ways in which sparrows die. <laughs> Just to make a promise like that, you would have to be in charge of everything, and God is in charge of everything. Every atom, every second. And he uses his control of everything to make sure that we get the inheritance that he's promised. It's a mind-blowing thing, isn't it? We talked a bit about predestination last week. I I said last week that, that Paul regards predestination as a great blessing. And if we don't regard it as a fantastic thing, then we haven't understood it as the Bible understands it. Well, here we see why predestination is such a fantastic thing. Predestination is fantastic because it guarantees for you, if you're a Christian, that God will keep his promises to give you an inheritance. Nothing can stand in his way. It's a great irony that some of the books written for Christians to try and help us cope with suffering in the world have undermined our confidence in God's sovereignty. I can think of several books like that. Um, Some of you may have read God on Mute, which is a mega-seller last year. Others of you will have read um, If I Were God, I'd End All the Pain. Books intended to help Christians with suffering that try and help by saying, well, God didn't really mean it to happen like that. God isn't really that much in control of the universe. Your suffering must have kind of caught him by surprise. He, He must have limited his sovereignty somehow. Um, to make way for human free will, and it caught him off guard and say things weren't wrong for you. Ironically, diminishing God's sovereignty diminishes the confidence of somebody who is suffering as a Christian. Somebody who is struggling as a Christian needs to know that God is in charge of everything in the world, and that despite their suffering, his plans to give them an inheritance cannot fail. The world is never out of God's control. Nothing happens that he goes, oh, bother, I wish that hadn't happened. What am I going to do now? That never happens to God. It's particularly poignant for me because this evening, about an hour before I stood up to preach here, I got a text message telling me that one of my best friends is in hospital with meningitis. And they are fantastic Christians, this couple. And actually, Rachel, it's, it's her who's in hospital at the moment, her husband, Stuart, wrote a review of that book, God on Mute, for Evangelicals Now, the Christian newspaper, warning people that to diminish God's sovereignty would take away our hope in the face of suffering. It's fantastic to know. I don't know how it's going to go today in the hospital. I've been praying for them. But it's fantastic to know with them that our God is in control of every atom of the universe. And he is using that control to make sure that nothing stands in the way of our inheritance. Yes, it's pie in the sky when you die, but it's a very certain kind of pie. Absolutely certain. Now, that is true um, of all Christians. God is in control of the universe. God predestines every Christian. But it might be that God, that Paul has in mind in verses 11 and 12, particularly Jewish Christians, that little phrase in verse 12, we who were the first to hope in Christ, it maybe refers to those in the Old Testament who had looked ahead to the Messiah. 
And if that's the case, then Paul is saying in addition that God is in charge of all of human history, including the whole of the history of the Old Testament. All the way through the Old Testament, God was planning that his people should receive through Christ the promised inheritance. Another quite a little cool thing to do with that is that the word for inheritance in verse 11 is not really quite an accurate translation. Um, more literally it says, um, um, it says, in him we have, we have been claimed as a portion. In him we've been claimed as a portion. And I, I wonder if it's referring back to the Old Testament when just about to go into the promised land, God divided up all the different parts of the promised land and gave them to different tribes. So the tribe of Benjamin got a particular part of the, the land and the tribe of Judah got another part. But then in Deuteronomy it describes that and then it says that, well let me read it to you, verse, chapter 32 verse 8, Deuteronomy. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted heritage. When God, um, when they went into the promised land, God divided up the land according to different tribes, but the Lord's own inheritance wasn't a bit of land, it was the people themselves. And in Ephesians, verse, um, chapter 1, verse 11, Paul speaks of the time when we'll be claimed as a portion. In other words, the inheritance spoken of in verse 11 isn't necessarily our inheritance of heaven or the new creation, but God's inheritance of us. It's amazing, isn't it? Often we put ourselves right at the centre of the picture. The Bible's got to be about me and me getting to heaven, but actually it's not about us. At the centre of the picture, it's about Jesus. And Jesus inheriting, claiming his people. And that day, when we belong to Jesus, and he claims us as his own, is absolutely certain. Because God has planned everything. Well, secondly, we have a certain inheritance because we believe the gospel. And here we are in verse um, verse 13 and 14. If verse 11 and 12 might refer to Jewish Christians, then verse 13 and 14 refers to everybody else, in particular the Ephesians. In him you also, you Ephesians, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Paul is saying to the Ephesians, look, the inheritance view is absolutely certain because you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee of the inheritance to come. It's like a down payment. It's a first taste of what you will receive. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. And if you've got the Holy Spirit, that is a guarantee that God will give to you the rest of your inheritance. And in fact, in verse 14, the same idea there, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, look at the footnote, until God redeems his possession. Our inheritance is to be inherited by God. But the main idea is it's certain because the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. But then we get the question, 
how do I know if I've got the Holy Spirit? I was worried about my inheritance. How do I know if I've got inheritance? And you've just told me you've got an inheritance if you've got the Holy Spirit. Well, now I'm worried because how do I know if I've got the Holy Spirit? Yeah? Paul says, you know you've got the Holy Spirit because of a three-step process that is true of every Christian. And there it is in verse 13. You see the three stages. In him you also, when stage one, you heard the word of truth, the gospel. Stage one in having an inheritance is to hear the word of the gospel, the truth of the message of salvation in Jesus. It might be that's a message that you can look back on a day when you've heard. It might be a message you're not sure you have heard. In which case, can I tell you that in a couple of weeks' time, when we get to Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is going to give one of the clearest explanations of the gospel that there is in the New Testament. The message of how you can be saved and rescued from your sin through Jesus. That's the gospel. Stage 1, you hear the gospel. Stage 2, you've got to believe it. It's not enough just to hear the gospel. Just because you've heard it doesn't mean that you've got an inheritance. But if you've heard the gospel and you believe the gospel, you believe the message you're told, then stage three, God seals you with the Holy Spirit. In fact, to everybody who hears the gospel and believes it, God gives the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. So let me ask you today, do you believe the gospel? If you believe the gospel, then God has given you his Holy Spirit and God's Holy Spirit guarantees your inheritance and his inheritance of you. I'm not just down on books today. I just had a bit of a go at God on mute. I just do want to have a bit of a go. I'm afraid at another book, Questions of Life, the Alpha Course book. Um, I don't do this because I love controversy. I do this because I fear again... A well-intentioned book to Christians has, is, has the danger of taking away our assurance, our confidence in heaven. Let me just read to you a little bit of it. In an ideal world, every Christian would be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment of conversion. Sometimes it happens like that, both in the New Testament and now, but not always. That's his statement. In other words, what he's saying is, some, if you're a Christian today, you might have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you might not. Sometimes it happens like that, and sometimes it doesn't. That's a very dangerous piece of teaching, because that means that some of you aren't sure that you've got a guarantee of, the, of your inheritance, even though you're a Christian, because you're missing some kind of spiritual experience. You see, see what's happened? I have made, but if I believe this, I am saying you can only be really, really sure of your salvation if you have got some kind of extra Christian thing that tells you that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's that you can speak in tongues, as he goes on to say. Um, Not every Christian will be able to do that, but maybe that's a great way of knowing. Maybe it's because you've got some kind of sense of um, God's power surging through you. Now, as I say that, some of you might have a sense of God's power surging through you, and some of you don't. Some of you might be able to speak in tongues, and some of you probably can't. But that means I've restricted the guarantee of of the Spirit, the guarantee of your inheritance, to only some of us. Only some of us are filled with the Spirit. Now, ironically, this book goes on to use Acts 19 as a proof of that. I wonder if we can just turn there very briefly. 
Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. And you'll see the connection with where we're going with the sermon, hopefully. And it won't be too much of a red herring. Acts 19 verse 1. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth... Sorry, this is page 1118. If you can't find your way around. Um, 1118, Acts chapter 19. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, No. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You see, stop there. It sounds like it's saying that some believers have the Holy Spirit and other believers haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And they got to receive him um, subsequently. However, Paul knows that every Christian who believes the gospel receives the Holy Spirit. And so when they tell him that they haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit, he knows something must be wrong. If you haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit, you can't be a Christian. Because every Christian has the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of their inheritance. And so he does a bit of investigation. Well, verse 3, into what were you baptized? They said, oh, well, we were baptized into John's baptism. I see, says Paul. You received John's baptism as a preparation for Jesus. But you haven't yet believed in Jesus. That must be the explanation. He says, verse 4, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. Paul says, you see, you've got to believe in Jesus. And then notice what happens, verse 5. On hearing this, on hearing about Jesus, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. You, You see what happens? As soon as they believe in Jesus, they receive the Holy Spirit. The same as every other believer in the New Testament. And there was some kind of anomaly because they kind of heard about John the Baptist and they understood some stuff. They hadn't heard the gospel. As soon as they hear the gospel, they believe the gospel and they receive the guarantee. That is exactly what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. And now you understand, um, as they get this letter to the Ephesians, uh, they must think, oh yeah, we remember all that confusion about which baptism we'd received, and um, we weren't quite sure even who the Holy Spirit was. Ho, ho. And Paul says, that's right. But you know very well that when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, well, you know very well that the Holy Spirit came upon you as a guarantee of your inheritance. Let me say to you, if you are a believer, if you've heard the gospel about the Lord Jesus and you put your trust in it, then God has filled you with his Holy Spirit. And God's Holy Spirit guarantees your inheritance. We have a certain inheritance. The pie in the sky when you die is not wishful thinking because God plans everything. And we have a certain inheritance because we believe the gospel. And to every gospel believer, God has given as a guarantee his spirit. Well, so what? So what? So there is a pie in the sky, and it's a real one. So there is another spiritual blessing to add to the list. Chosen, predestined, redeemed, revelation of God's plan, and an inheritance. That takes a total to five. So what? So, says Paul, praise God. 
Praise God. Just think about this for a moment. Even with the knowledge of a friend who is in hospital with meningitis as you preach the sermon about it. And I say that about myself. There'll be other people in a group of people this size. There'll be some of you who know people that you love who are very ill at the moment, I imagine. Statistically, that's probable. Even in the face of that, you can praise God. Because our inheritance... The inheritance that comes to us when we die, our being inherited by God as his possession is absolutely certain. It's absolutely certain that even if the worst thing should happen to my friend and she should die, that she would be welcomed by Jesus as one of his people and would receive the wonderful blessings of being chosen by him being adopted as his daughter, being redeemed by Jesus' blood, having the knowledge of God's plan and being inherited. It's not just praising for a sunny day, this is it. It's not just when you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. It's on whatever kind of day. Whatever kind of day, if you're a believer, you've got an inheritance ahead. And so on whatever kind of day, praise God. And so Paul says, he's predestined us in order that those who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. He says he's given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee until until he acquires possession of us to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us such grounds for praising you. Father, thank you for talk of an inheritance that is not just wishful thinking. But Father, thank you that you are in charge of every atom, every molecule of this universe. And you are controlling everything in order that you'll be able to keep your promise to inherit your people. And Father, thank you that if we believe the gospel, you have given us your Holy Spirit. And in every one of us who is a Christian this evening, he is a guarantee of the inheritance to come when you inherit us as your people. And so, Father, we praise you. We praise you for every blessing with which you have blessed us. And Father, we pray that this will be a a praising of you that lasts throughout thick and thin, highs and lows, joys and sorrows. Father, help us to cling on to the hope of our inheritance on the darkest day, until the day that we receive it and you receive us. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.